Good morning. Welcome home. We're glad you're here this morning and you're with us today. We are ending our Miracles series today that we started the second week of February. And I just wanted to celebrate with you uh, some of the neat things that have happened over the last several weeks. Uh, One of those things is we've had over 40 answered prayer cards come in where God has answered prayer in some way. So let's give God a hand for that. That is awesome. And I just want to share with you, we're not going to go away on these answered prayer cards. We're going to continue to encourage you uh, to fill those out for two reasons. One, because God gets the credit, amen? And two, someone who's walking by in the lobby, they're located behind the information center there. There's a big gray board where we've got them at. Someone in the lobby reads those who's going through a similar situation uh, that you went through or someone you were praying for went through, and it's an encouragement to them and provides them hope. And we've already heard stories like that. So if if God has answered a prayer for you, uh, we encourage you to fill that answered prayer card out. We had over 200 prayer cards that came in over the last several weeks. And what's exciting about that is we've had so many people that have been praying, not just a couple of times for those, but over and over and over. And so we're excited about what God's doing there. During the Pray 21, um, I, was, I saw uh, Pastor Jim at the deli this, the second day that we started. And he said, how many did you have for the Pray 21, the first day that you had it? And I said, well, Jim, how many do you think we had? And he goes, I don't know, 10? I said, we had 60. And each day of this Pray 21, we continued to see uh, people come out and be a part of that. And what's exciting about that is not because we had that many people, but because that many people were praying for needs. And so we celebrate that. Um, we've seen God continue to do some things since we started this. We started a, a prayer time on Wednesday night. Uh, that's a come and go prayer from six to eight. We've heard testimonies of people starting one on one time with God. That's a big deal. Give God a hand for that. That is huge. That's the whole goal is, is for people to go deeper with God. We don't want to just be a mile wide and an inch deep. If you're here today, we want you to know the vision is, is that we would continue to go deeper and connect ourselves with God and for him to rub off on us. A father and a son who came to the Pray 21, I was in the lobby on the way out to shake hands and I heard him say, you and I are getting our butts out of bed every morning after this is over and we're going to do devotions together. And the son said, sounds good to me. That's a miracle. That's a win. That's what we want to see happen is for people to draw closer to Jesus. We're seeing people lean in more. They're going deeper with Christ. They're getting excited about it. And they're staying hopeful. So we're excited about this. And and finally, I heard that someone said, you know, Pastor, I've really enjoyed this prayer kick. This has been a a good deal. And I said, well, that's great. But can I encourage you, may it not just be a kick. May it be a lifestyle. And so this morning, I encourage you, even though we're wrapping up a series that kicked off this prayer time where we get our power, where we see God do the miraculous, where we find the strength to overcome the different things that are going on in our life is through prayer time. And so I encourage you uh, with that today. As I said, we're wrapping up this prayer series. And today, here's where we're going. How do you stay hopeful when life is hopeless? How do you have faith When all you feel 
is fear? How do you experience life when all you see is death? That's the question today that all of us uh, can answer, can connect ourselves to today because we all have at least one of those questions at times, if maybe not all those questions. I was excited today to, for this message because this is where we live. This sermon that we're going to be talking about today is where we live. How do you have hope when everything around you is hopeless? If you've been reading any of those prayer cards over the last several weeks, there's a lot of people that feel hopeless There's a lot of people that feel overwhelmed, and maybe you do today, that doesn't seem like there's anything to be hopeful about. And while you'd like to have faith, everything going on in your life, all it's producing is fear and doubt and worry. And if you aren't experiencing that, I guarantee there's someone in your circle that is. And how do you see what can can be when all you see is what is? It's easy to to have hope when everything in your life is going right. It's easy to have faith when everything's going right. It's easy to experience and see that there can be life when there is life. But it's hard to see life when all you see is death. If you have your Bibles or the Bible app, you want to go with me to John chapter 11... We're going to be looking at the story of Lazarus. If you've grown up around the church, you've heard this story. Um, If you haven't grown up around the the church, here's the story. There's this guy named Lazarus in John chapter 11, which is where we're parking today. There's this guy named Lazarus, and he's sick, much like some of the people we've known to be sick. And he's sick, and essentially he's terminal. Um, We've prayed for people in our church before that have been terminal. We've seen God answer that prayer, and other times it feels like he hasn't answered that prayer, but all of us can identify with the situation. He's sick. He's very sick. And Mary and Martha, who are Lazarus's sisters, who have encountered Jesus, Mary was the one who wiped her her tears with her hair on Jesus' feet. They send word to Jesus. He's in a town... uh, few miles away and here's what the message is Lazarus my brother is sick we've seen you do miracles we need you to come and heal him because if you don't he's going to die Jesus gets this miracle hears about this similar to the way that he's heard about other things that have happened but he doesn't follow the same pattern that he does in the past when he encounters a blind man last week who was mute, who had been blind since birth, or, uh, blind since birth, Jesus responded and he acted and he healed. When this lady who'd been subject to uh, bleeding for twelve years touches Jesus' cloak, she's healed. Jesus has healed. He has spoken power to. He's he's always answered his phone when someone called, figuratively. But he doesn't this time. In fact, in verse 5, if you have your Bibles and you want to circle this and read this till you die, you need to read this. I didn't point this out in the first service because it didn't come to me until now. And I spent all week slaving over this and it just now came to me. Verse 5, it says this. 
So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was. So although he loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed. And while he stays, Lazarus dies. And finally, two days after he gets the information that Lazarus is sick, he says, okay, let's go back to Judea. Of course, the disciples don't want to go there because they're going to, they've afraid they're going to get stoned to death there. I'm not talking about the marijuana. I'm talking about rocks. Because back then, stoned meant something else. We can laugh, but it's the truth. It meant something else. And so they don't want to go. And Jesus says, no, let's go back to Judea. And as they enter the town where Lazarus is is buried, basically, Martha meets him and says, Jesus, and she's grieving and she's crying and she's weeping. She says, if you'd only been here a couple of days ago, this wouldn't have happened. I believe that you're the Messiah. I believe that you're the Son of God. But why weren't you here? And as he makes his way through town, he knows that he's going to raise Lazarus to life. He's going to raise him from the dead. I shared with you at Christmas time that we knew something that our children didn't know. We knew they'd been asking us for years, especially Noah, to get a dog. And we've always said no. And this year we were going to surprise him and we wrapped it up. Some of you were here Christmas and you saw the video. We wrapped it up and we gave it to them and they were surprised. They were disappointed because we told them we're not going to get you a dog. And then they were surprised when they found out they were going to get a dog. Jesus, if I was Jesus, knowing that I'm getting ready to raise Lazarus, I would just be like, quit your bawling. You're getting ready to see my power. That's what I would do. That's not what Jesus does. Even though he's headed to heal and raise Lazarus, the Bible says he wept. Shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. He was troubled in his spirit and he empathized with their grief and he wept. And then he goes to where Lazarus is buried and he tells them to roll away the stone. And they kind of look at him like, "Uh, Jesus, he's been dead four days. He's past stink. He stinks. And the smell is going to be horrible. Read it. You can read the Bible if you want. It's not quite like that, but that's what it says. And I don't know how long they argue with him, but eventually they roll it away. And he didn't, doesn't go in there and put his hands on him and all this. He just speaks. Lazarus, come out. And the dead man comes out. And he tells... The people that are there. I love this part. He says, take off the grave clothes and let him go. See, I believe today that there's somebody in here or there's somebody in here that knows somebody that's not here that needs to hear, take off the grave clothes. Because Jesus did. We'll be talking about that in a couple of weeks. So there's a lot to unpack here, and I'm not going to unpack it all, but I want to focus on three things. There's a lot more we could focus on, but you don't want to be here for an hour. 
So I want to share with you three things from this story that are worth us noting and talking about to be an encouragement to us. The first, the first thing is what I mentioned earlier. He stayed. Jesus stayed. So in verse 5 it says, So although Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, let's read it together, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was. I have felt that way before. If only you would have been there. If only when I asked you, when I prayed about, if you would have been there. And there's a good chance, just because there's a lot of us here, that some of you have prayed something similar to that. And I don't know about you, but I'll just be honest. There are times where I'm asking myself, where are you, God? But what we see in this story was that God wasn't trying to make them miserable. He was preparing for a miracle. Say it with me. God wasn't making everyone miserable. He was preparing. See, what we can learn from this is that there are times in our life where we just don't know everything there is to know. And we don't understand everything there is to understand. And in recent months and year or so, I think back to how hard our church prayed for some people that have been sick. How hard we prayed for Deidre who had leukemia. And if, if I'm being honest today, there's a part of us sometimes that would say, God, why didn't you heal? And I don't have all the knowledge that I would need to have to be like, oh. I don't believe that God goes around causing someone to live and causing someone to die and, and, and putting someone through something to the point that they can't even get out, out from underneath it. But I do believe that God allows things to happen. I don't understand why. But I do trust that God knows better than I, and I do trust that there has been fruit while people have been faithful, and we see signs of that, and we see glimpses of that, and we see people's lives that have been impacted from people like Deidre. And what we can learn today, not just from praying for Deidre, not just from this story today, but in every part of God's kingdom is that when we stay faithful in the meantime, God will be fruitful in His right time. When we stay faithful in the meantime, God will be fruitful in His right time. Say that with me. Stay faithful in the meantime, and God will be fruitful in... 
Now, I want to unpack that for just a second. Faithful to me isn't exactly faithful to God. Lord, I've been faithful for a week. God, I've been faithful for a year. I think we have to understand today that sometimes the meantime is different than what God's definition of meantime is. Some of us remember that old Facing the Giants movie where this kid says, I can't crawl very far with that kid on my back. And he, and he blindfolds him and he says, just quit when you don't have another step to go. And he goes like double or triple what he thinks he can go. Some of the reasons that we get discouraged is because we have decided what the meantime is going to look like instead of trusting God to decide what the meantime looks like. And I'm not going to speak for you, but I can speak for me. And it's real easy for me to put my right time in there instead of God's right time. Jesus was teaching the disciples. God was trying to tell Israel. His word tells us today that if we will stay faithful to his meantime, he will be fruitful in his right time. We see not only did he stay, but then he goes into town and he weeps. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her weeping, he was moved in spirit and troubled. Where, you, where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, they replied. Jesus, what? Jesus. Jesus. Your grief matters to Jesus. It doesn't always feel like he does. But your grief matters to Jesus. And you need to understand something today, and I need to be reminded of this today and understand this today. That when you mourn, Jesus mourns too. I shared a while back when Noah was little, you know, your firstborn, you're kind of, you're just different with your firstborn than you are the other ones. I don't know why. It's not because you like them more. It's just different. It doesn't matter who the firstborn is. It's just being the firstborn. And we had this helicopter parent thing going on. Sometimes we still struggle with that. And, you know, he was the center of our whole world. And we go to this park. I shared this story before, but it's applicable here. And he goes to the top of this slide, and there's a kid in front of him. And Noah goes, hey, my name's Noah. And the kid looked at him and said, who cares? And I remember thinking, excuse me? I'm his dad, and I'm going to not, you are not, I am not going to let him feel hurt by somebody who doesn't know what they're doing. No, I didn't say that. But I watched Noah's eyes for just a second 
And it, it disappointed him. And as his dad, I was, there's a part of me that was wanting to rescue him from that, but then I quickly realized he needs to experience that. And that's how God is sometimes. He mourns with us. But he allows us to experience some things. For some reason. And trust and faith in Jesus is what gets us through those times when it feels like he's not present. We also see in this story that he speaks. In fact, it says, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus come out, and the dead man man came out. Read the yellow words. Jesus called, Lazarus come out. Jesus says, come out, and the dead man. Jesus says, come out, and the dead man. What Jesus says will happen, will happen. What Jesus says will happen, will happen. Say it with me. What Jesus says will happen, will happen. See, don't trust what you see. Trust what he says. Did you catch that for just a minute? Don't trust what you see. Because our eyes can deceive us sometimes. Don't trust what you see. Trust what he says. Last year, Noah was pitching And he had done really well. And the other team was trying to get into his head. And so they started talking to him while he's pitching. And when he would get in his windup, they would make some big loud noise. And he would just struck out like nine or ten kids. And then he walked a kid. And so they noticed that he'd walked a kid. And so they kept doing it. Every time he go to, Mwah, you know, they just say some big loud, Mwah, and right in the middle of when he's pitching. And again, I was like, I'm going to go over there. And the first time that it happened, I said to him, son, don't listen to him. But he didn't listen to me. And he walked the second batter. And they kept doing it. And I said, Noah, don't listen to them. And he walked the bases loaded. And I called time out and I went out there and I said, what do you think they're doing? They're trying to get in my head. It's working, isn't it? Are you going to listen to them? Are you going to listen to what I'm telling you? Are you going to listen to them? Are you going to listen to what I'm telling you? went back out there and we got the last out and he looked at me and he goes okay dad don't 
trust what you see. Don't trust what you hear. Don't trust what others believe. Trust what he says. See, what you've been told is that you're no good. What you've been told is you've never gone farther with God and so how could you ever go farther with him? What people tell you is as soon as the spiritual high is over, you're going to go right back to where you were. So the question is, are we going to listen to that? Are we going to trust what God says? And what he says is this. Life is determined by who is in you, not what has happened to you. Life is determined by who is in you, not what has happened or what is happening to you. Say it with me. Life is determined by who is in you, not what has happened. Some of us today, we're not doing that. And as as soon as things get hard, or as soon as Satan reminds us of the exact same thing, we go back to where we were. What would it look like today if if, when Satan throws you a curveball for the 500th time, as you're walking with God and you're speaking with him and he's building you up, all of a sudden and just saying, I can't, I can't do it. You're filled with God's fruit and you're filled with God's spirit and you're able to say, Satan, try something else. This ain't working anymore. Somebody here today, maybe it's for the 8.30 or the 11.30, maybe it's not for any of us. But somebody here today needs to know life is not about clean cancer reports. Life is not about your kid being the best at some sport or some academic thing. Life is not about 2.5 kids and, and continuing to climb the ladder. That's not what life's about. And that's what he was trying to tell Israel. That's what he was trying to teach the disciples. That's what God's word is trying to tell us today. Life is not determined by those things around you. Life is determined by who is in you. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you. You lost your job. Greater is he that is in you than the job that you lost. Your cancer report is terrible. Greater is he that is in you than the cancer report that you got back. Greater is he that is in you than every all the loss that you have in your life. Greater is he that is in you. What Jesus was trying to tell Lazarus and Mary and Martha... It's not what happened to you. It's not what's around you. You want to know what was around Lazarus? A tomb. Stink. A stone. You want to know what was around Mary and Martha? Grieving and lost. They actually had what they call professional grievers. They would go and wail and mourn. Darkness. But when Jesus was speaking, Lazarus come out, his power was going in. And what Lazarus learned and what Mary and Martha learned and what the people around them begin to learn. It's about who is in you, not what's around you. Jesus spoke up. Lazarus got up and everybody got filled up.
Jesus spoke up and Lazarus got up and everybody got filled up. And that's why the, the Pharisees started the plot for Jesus' death that day because they saw what Jesus can do. That should fire us up. So you need to stop sitting in a tomb that you don't have to stay in. You've been laying in the tomb dead like Lazarus and Jesus says, get up. Not just for yourself, but because there are other people around you, they need to see you get up. That's going to fill them up and that's going to fire them up and that's going to make a difference in someone's life. I asked you a question earlier. How do you stay hopeful when life is hopeless? How do you have faith when all you feel is fear? How do you experience life when all you see is death? Let's read the answer together. Life is determined by who is in you, not... Can we read it like we believe it? Just for me, if no other reason. Read this like you believe it. You ready? Life is determined... There's, there's chairs that are empty. Somebody needs to hear that, experience that. There's churches all over the world that are trying to proclaim that. Steve shared with you a couple weeks ago about faith promise, and Adam's going to pass that out right now. But essentially, faith promise happens so that we can proclaim the message all around the world. There are Our church, just our church, is in 162 countries. Take one and pass one. Adam's going to pass them out. Take one and pass one. Our church is in 162 countries. And we're trying to tell people that life is determined by who is in you, not what is happening to you. Did you know that there's churches, they have to meet in hiding because they they can be killed or persecuted for what they believe? And the way that we're able to tell people life is determined by who is in you, not what is happening around you, is through something called the World Evangelism Fund. And it's just simply the pot of cash that pays missionaries and resources missionaries. And each church, based on their demographic and their income as a church, has a different amount that they're called to give. But what they do is they take everybody's amount that they're called to give and they put it into one pot and they send people to Sudan and Africa and Germany and the Philippines and Thailand and all over the world. And you want to know what would happen is if churches said, you know what, we're not going to do it. We're not going to pay faith promise. Who gives a flying rip? That didn't have anything to do with me. We would have to send all the missionaries all over the world. We'd have to say, you guys need to come home. So we don't have a way to resource you. Our goal today for this year is $32,000. That's what, as because of how much income our church brings in, there's a formula that goes with that, but that's our goal. And in the last few years, I just want to share this with you. I'm not trying to bore you, but I promise I'm almost done. In the last few years, we have put a goal out there that's smaller than the actual pledge because we didn't feel like we could hit that goal for some other reason and we would have to find other ways to pay it. 
And the Lord just prompted me this year that the whole balance is $32,000 and we've been in a series called Miracles. And we are trusting and believing that this year we will hit that goal of $32,000 to be able to fully fund and support our part to helping people know that life is determined by who is in you. Not what's happening to you or what happened to you. So you've got that piece of paper. You can take it home and read it. We're not asking you to have to do something today. But we're asking you to pray about a pledge, which is what the promise is. I promise in faith to do this. You can pay monthly. You can pay a one-time gift. It's not to be a part of your tithe. Your tithe, your 10% is what goes to support what we do here locally. But it's an offering above and beyond that in faith to support what's happening, not locally, but globally. That's the fastest and most clear way that I can explain that. So when we wrap up this miracle series, we've been praying. I'm almost done. We've been praying for things that affect us. Our kids and our job and our cancer and our money and our grandma and our uncle and our grandson. Today, this is about affecting someone that we won't even see. That's bigger than us. So I encourage you today to consider what you could give as a one-time or a monthly or weekly gift to help support missions around the world. Amen. If you'd like to fill that out today and be done with it, you can drop it in the offering box. If you want to take it home, you can bring it back. If you lose the paper, it's online. You can grab one there. But let's stand together this morning. Lord Jesus, I pray that as we worship, as we close this out, pray that your spirit would speak to hearts today. In Jesus' name. So may we believe and live today that Jesus spoke up so that you and I could get up and everybody else could be filled up. Jesus spoke up so that we could get up and everybody could be filled up and that should fire us up. Lord Jesus, today we thank you that we don't serve a dead God. Father, we serve a risen God. Father, we serve a God that overcame the grave. Father, you raise dead things. Father, today I pray that you would raise a marriage that's dead. I pray today, Lord, you would would raise someone who believes there is no God and you would deliver them, Father, to somebody that says, I know who's God. Father, today I pray that there'd be somebody in here that's struggling, that doesn't have a job today, that's dealing with just depression, that's struggling with anxiety. Lord, would you tell them, would you encourage them, Lord, that they can get up, that they don't have to stay down. Lord, for those that have experienced loss, Father, that someone they care about or something in their life that's not going to turn around, Father, would you create a miracle perspective in their mind? that they can trust you even though they can't see, that they can fix their eyes on the unseen, not what is seen. Father, may we stay faithful in the meantime and trust your right time. 
thank you today that life is determined by who is in you, not what has happened or what is happening to you. We give you praise and glory for who you are. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Have a blessed Sunday.